one. Well, the Buy the Dippers showed up yesterday. Very nice rally, an unexpected rally, maybe helped by Fed speak a little bit. People are still eating Fritos and drinking Pepsi, even though they're on diet drugs. Some interesting rating changes here regarding iPhones. Ivan Fine Seth to give us probably a bullish outlook on the market. We got some things to talk about for later in the week. It's Tuesday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Welcome, traders, investors, to this Tuesday edition of Pre-Market Prep. We're flat, 43.68.75, holding on to those gains from yesterday. The buck is flat here at 105.82. Bonds down three-quarters of a point at 111 and 10.30 seconds. Can't, just can't hold a rally. Our crude giving some back after that big rally yesterday, down 46 cents at 85.92. Gold itching its way towards 1900 of 580, 1870, 10. Silver still in the upper 21 handle. That's going the opposite way. That's down seven cents at 2185. And Bitcoin futures down 100 bucks at 27,635. Dennis, I hope you did not eat too much turkey and stuffing. Oh my gosh. That was like the Thanksgiving of like, exhaustion so thanksgiving in canada was yesterday we celebrate on sunday typically and i didn't talk about it yesterday but i'm still recovering because so many people my wife has a huge family on her side um we were supposed to we normally have thanksgiving at my father-in-law's farm but it's like lower Uncton here and it's been raining for like five days straight so pouring rain on sunday so we moved it to my house 60 people here like a last minute move, like so 60 people here. So it's chaos, obviously busy, lots of kids. Uh, but not only that, it's just like the entertaining and stuff. My wife actually, I believe, uh, slept for 18 hours straight, a new world record for her after everybody left. So <laughs> I was exhausted too. But anyways, we were recovering here, getting it back. I wish it would stop raining though, because this is getting to be ridiculous. So it looks like the uh, the uh, the Bears feasted on those offers yesterday morning. We were yeah. we were kind of we were kind of leading that way. Yeah, and for sure. Boy, one heck of a rally. Well, and the contrarian in me is you have a reversal from Friday, and then you get the pullback here. And again, North America centric markets tend to ignore, not completely ignore. Obviously, they were down. It's oil prices and everything escalates, but. We know even in the Ukraine situation, you get a couple days when it first started where the markets are selling off, but then they try, t tend to think, well, this isn't directly impacting North America, and they start buying stocks again. So, I mean, we saw it with Ukraine, Russia. We immediately saw it with the Israel situation. Obviously, overnight, futures got hit by 40 points. Oil was rallying significantly, and they just used it as a buying opportunity in stocks. And those tech stocks that we talked about 
that were most likely to get bought were the actual ones that definitely got bought. We talked about Microsoft. It dipped down in the 323 handle before rallying, and now it's trading up near 331. So big reversal for Microsoft, but it was all tech yesterday, tech really leading their charge. And a lot of other stocks too. I mean, IWM had a decent day for once. But again, you know, we get on the bull train, we jumping in, and this is like, you know, the, the beginning of the next new bull market. Wow, we're coming in earnings season. There's a lot of things to still worry about. We're going to get a lot of economic data here. I think you're still in store for a lot of chop. I think, you know, you're fading moves. That continues to work. Selling rips has worked very well for the last couple of months. But buy the dip worked fantastically yesterday as well. So I think you just got to have your contrarian glasses on and look, you know, when you get the big move, you know, maybe we're in store for a few days. We don't have much news. Uh, well, obviously, we have CPI coming on Thursday, but we could have a move here again. Fed minutes tomorrow. So let's bring Money Mitch on, get his thoughts. All right, let's go to our first headline today. International Monetary Fund in a stunning twist. They're raising the U.S. growth projections with casting a shadow over the eurozone. The IMF now expects the U.S. economy to grow by 2.1% this year and 1.5% next year. On the flip side, the eurozone is facing a slower expansion with forecasts down to 0.7 for 23 and 1.2 in 2024. Now, one thing that I think is interesting here is that you're seeing that the U.S. economy expected to grow 2.1, but next year 1.5. What does that show? That shows that they're expecting a slowdown into next year. We've been talking about how the consumer has been slowing down. What does yeah. this mean for investments? I think I think we're going to have a recession in 2024. I do. And that's why I stay still conservatively invested. And you can say, oh, yeah, but you're missing out. What if we go? I mean, well, we're missing out. But again, long term performance, which you have to analyze here. I mean, there's eternal bulls out here. You've got to just give it that five and a half percent compared to long term performance of the stock market is eight to nine. And sometimes you get down in these, like, you know, bear, you know, back after the financial crisis, long-term performance was down to seven because those years were so bad. So, I mean, it fluctuates, you know, 7%, 8%, 9%. 5.5% is not nothing. 55 is something. I mean, you can say, well, you're not really beating inflation even, so you got to eventually be invested in stocks. But all of that, you know, you just combine all that, and then you look at the interest rates and, you know, U.S. mortgages at 27-year highs, they start going by, ticking up towards 8%. Again, you know, people don't move, so it doesn't impact them. But that's U.S. and Canada. It's not going to be the case. People will start being impacted by higher rates because we do the five-year max term usually on the fix. So eventually, some of those mortgages are going to come due. I just think if rates are up here to stay here for longer, I think eventually people will have less money to spend. And that's why we're going to go into a recession. People want to spend. What has helped this cycle is the COVID, you know, lockdowns that we had two years ago change the mentality it's live for today not save for tomorrow so people you know aren't scared to spend money because they want to enjoy life right now because they feel like you know life is you know like maybe more fragile than they thought in the past so there's a lot of people who aren't saving for a rainy day anymore so they will spend but when those savings are depleted down the credit card debt has soared and obviously interest rates are higher eventually it equals less spending and i do think you're going to see that happen in 2024 and I think it's I think it's starting to happen now. Uh, IMF, uh, you know, I can't think of too many investing or trading decisions I've made based on uh, what they've said. Still, one point five percent growth is not 
not great, but not a well, not, not a re- yeah. Is that, and I just think we're just muddling along. I I don't I don't see like a big you know a big pickup and going to four percent. And once again, like you said, Dennis, people are still spending and they're spending their money. As I said in the intro, on Fritos and and Pepsi. So. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, I'm I'm not sure. We're gonna have Ivan Feinstef on here later too, so he'll obviously give his. He's always bullish, so he'll turn us around maybe a little bit. But I mean, I'm not eternally bearish here either. You know, we have pockets of bullishness. Yesterday morning, I felt like being bullish. So you know, listen to the show every single day because you know I'm kind of feel like I'm in the zone here. I've been trading pretty well. I feel like sometimes you know it's like I can't get a feel for this market. Lately, you could kind of feel it. You could feel yesterday that the dip was probably going to be bought. We said it. Multiple times on the shows. Not very many shows lately that have been bullish. I was bullish yesterday. So, I mean, listen to the show every day because we're going to flip around here. But this is a contrarian market. I love this type of market where it's choppy. You know, it can't really get the patterns going because I'm not a big technical guy. You know, I'm more just, you know, news driven, but getting feels, you know, and then I'm a contrarian at heart. And there's a lot of traders who are momentum. This is a contrarian market. This is my type of market. Pepsi's earnings surprise. Next up, we got some fizzy news from the beverage giant, PepsiCo. They beat in estimates here. Q3 adjusted earnings per share, $2.25. Sales of $23.45 billion. And wait, they're raising their full-year earnings outlook, but North America beverage units are facing challenges. Let's find out what's bubbling underneath the surface. Uh, decent report. Guidance, fine. That's all good news. I mean, obviously, you always worry about these staples as inflation concerns. The qu- the problem with Pepsi is it's in a clear downtrend now. Gap down, ridiculously bad day there. I forget well, who was it that reported what? that Pepsi was down in sympathy, but what, somebody what, had what mentioned something. What the heck something. happened on Thursday? No, as Pepsi went down that day, Coke went down that day. Um, what was it? I was. I out. think it was, was the it? Clorox news. Was it the oh, Clorox yeah, yeah, yeah. day? Yeah, I did. Clorox warned, and they knocked every staple down hard on Wow. So, like, Clorox was down over 10 bucks after already being in a downtrend, and maybe that was capitulation for Clorox. If interest rates, you got to keep an eye on the TLT. You're buying signal for all these staples when the TLT actually starts to sustain a rally. It has stopped going down temporarily, so that is the good thing. It has stopped going down temporarily. We're down a little bit here today, but, I mean, we're kind of meandering in the last five days, not making new lows every single day. We didn't make one new low in there. Um, that's the good news, but the bad news is PepsiCo, a 3.1% dividend. The growth ah. is kind of there. The valuation isn't that cheap. I mean, is this the stock that's going to drive your portfolio in 2024? No. And is there risk, you know, that the Tina trade, the lack of a Tina trade for that still, you know, suppresses valuation for this thing? Yes. So would I be a seller of rallies on Pepsi? Yes. Is it oversold? Could it get up to 166, 167, 169? possible uh but there's all kinds of sellers up at 170 people got hammered the last you know seven days of buying there and then the big flush so i think you can clearly see where your major resistance is going to be so it's hard to get on board to say i'm gonna buy pepsi 163 because it's going 180 i i think you get maybe 165 166 maybe but i don't think you're blasting off and going back to 180 anytime soon there's just not the growth here and with rates up of five and a half percent, again, I've been saying it for a long time. The reason I have a lot of cash in my portfolio is not so much I still don't have any growth stocks. It's that I eliminated all the staples, most of the utilities except Enbridge, and you know most of the higher dividend stuff in place of cash, bringing cash in instead. 
It already traded 166, Dennis. I, so we're I, already coming off those highs. Yeah. One uh, of my numbers are pretty good. I even look at the chart there. Yeah. If you're, it, Man, it, I should have did the show two hours ago. If 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 you're buying Pepsi up six bucks on a stock that is nine day average true range is three point three three, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. I mean, there were and no your counter trend. Yeah, in your counter trend, there were no daily levels. I couldn't have picked that one out of the hat. There was just nothing there because of that disastrous day on Thursday. Uh, fairly confident that you're not going to uh, see that pre-market high, and you actually sold off to the 162 area. So Pepsi uh, being volatile, uh, just for now, I'll say might not fill the gap at 161.42. So keep an eye if it comes under 162. And now I think you just you just kind of if you want out of this, I think you just kind of you're just going to have to feel the market out. I doubt there's not just not a great level in here on the upside. And I certainly don't think you're going to get another look at 166. If you want to go back to the average trading range, boom, right now uh, you're trading up two bucks. So maybe you stick into the 164 handle. That's just too big of a move. The consumer staples have been the worst place to be. Now, you didn't lose the most money, but you had the least upside. Risk reward on all these things was absolutely terrible. Even when they started raising rates. But when they really started, we started to see the long end go. That was your sign to like get the hell out of all these staples because if the long end's starting to go here, because that was the argument all the way telling me up here for a year, so you still want to own your cokes and Pepsi's. Well, long end's going five percent. You're talking about that. That's not the short end. That's not. That's a thirty year. So I mean, that's your comparable there. So it's obviously rate plays. These things are completely inversely correlated with rates. So until bonds can actually start to catch a bid. It's hard to get bullish on the consumer staple train that goes for utilities. And I'd say it also goes for the banks as well. Unity leadership change here in the tech world. Unity is making headlines with a leadership shakeup here as John Resitito is stepping down and James Whitehurst is taking the reins. But what's really behind this move? I think Dennis might know. No, I know. I follow the story because I'm long Unity and I'm so ticked off about this because obviously, you know, I'd bought it a while ago here, but I had added to it. And at, right after I added to it, they initiated the stupid fee where they were charging anyone. So anyone who downloaded the software, they were charging the developers a fee every time somebody downloaded the software. The CEO is the one that obviously passed that and said, yeah, that's, you know, and, and developers were revolting against it. And that's why Unity really started getting hit. Um, it was, you know, a sell-off in the overall market, which didn't help. But a lot of this Unity sell-off was this, you know, fee that developers were saying, nah, you know, we're developing these games. We're not going to pay a fee every time somebody downloads their game. So they were going to build it on another platform. So people were revolting against Unity. They have retracted that fee for, I believe it's anybody who, um, I believe it's like there's a revenue threshold there. It's like a million dollars or something. So they did for the smaller game uh, developers there. They obviously retracted that fee. But I mean, this CEO was responsible for passing. I don't know if it was his idea, but he was the one that took responsibility for it. So they got rid of him. They've got rid of him for it. So I mean, now, and then again, you can say resigned or whatever, but they pushed him out. So $31, it's getting a pop on this because it was the CEO that put this fee in. He's gone now. I don't know what that means to get rid of the fee altogether or what it is, but um, game developers are still not happy here. And I'm not happy as a shareholder. I still like Unity. I think a lot of gaming use this software. I think the software um, has a place, you know, and an AI, I think. I think there's a lot of, you know, upside for Unity long term. 
But short term here, game developers revolting against it for this fee. And obviously, you know, there needs to be change. And maybe this is the start of that change. Yeah, and it, whoever they bring in, uh, it's gonna like I said, it's it's just gonna take a while, uh, you know, to work itself out. Uh, technically speaking, it's funny they pound a stock on the bad news, and then when they eliminate the bad news and reverse, it just doesn't really seem to go out as much. Uh, if I was long this Palantir, I'd be really hawking that thirty-two dollar area. Uh, first, yeah, uh, the first reason Palantir yeah. on the blurb brain, but it's unity. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, it's good. Oh, yeah. just, just clarifying. Uh, brain fart there. Uh, 32.15 your pre-market high, and then you could see a daily high just under 32, and then a pair of highs at a little bit higher than that at 32. Uh, just 32. Just that's what the pre-market's actually giving me. 350,000 shares have traded, so that's a pretty good level. Top of yesterday's range, if you're looking for a gap fill, is down at 29.80. Uh, but seems to be a little bit of a bid here early on in Unity Soft. I want to get Michael Pactor's thoughts on this, Joel. Can you reach out to Michael Pactor from Wedbush, who's you know the what well, obviously covers Unity. He's had a buy on it for a long time, taking some heat. I want to get his thoughts on Unity. We haven't had him on for a he while. He likes so. it. I, I get. I'll, I'll have. I to know get. he's still. He's he 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 holds to. He's not one of those flippers that flips back yeah. and forth. I'll tell you that he ain't me. I flip around. <laughs> Michael Pactor, he's I, uh, he's gets his long term bear thesis, obviously on Netflix, long term bull thesis, and you know, and sometimes he's, he's he often ends up being right. Is the whole thing with I say with Michael, take a lot of heat, but a lot of times he ends up being right. Not so much on Netflix, but in a lot of cases. But if we can reach out to him, uh, okay. Mitch and Joel, I'd love to have uh, Michael Pactor coming on talking Unity. I think a lot of people would like that. Auto strikes continuing over the automotive industry. Now the Canadian auto workers represented by Unifer has gone into strike, joining their U.S. counterparts. What's driving the labor unrest? Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on here. And how long do you guys think this is going to last? I think it's going to last. I think they're digging their heels in here now. I, again, think executives at GM and Ford realize that we're going into maybe a slower period here. So maybe it's not that. Maybe we can have the luxury. I mean, if the if they were selling cars hand over fist and, you know, like this is it, this is killing us because, you know, we got delays. But I go drive by the dealership. I still see a lot of cars sitting there for sale. The dealerships are full yet. So they've got some time here. Now, again, you know, there's a delay between the kind of time you make the car and the time it shows up. So we're going to get a month and a half from now and there's no cars in the dealerships. I'm not sure. I think just with the way rates have gone up here, I think it's not a bad timing for the executives to play hardball at Ford and GM. And I think that's what they're going to do with the UAW. They don't want to get pushed around here. They don't want to get signing into a contract where they're paying these their employees $100 an hour, and now it's pushing their margins down to almost nothing. So, um, you know, we get that slowdown coming. I believe it's coming. I think the executives realize it's coming. I think they're going to play hardball. I think the strikes can go on for a while. I just think it's just been, it's just hanging in there, you know, it, it's holding, it's still holding 30. Uh, what was the low of the move yesterday? 29.72. So the whatever pop and whatever we had here early on in the strike, that that's really been short lived and just hoping the institutions are stepping up uh, at the, at the $30 area. Uh, 29.72 yesterday was uh, your low from a few days ago, but man, the longer you hang out, you know, near the end of a monthly chart, not good here, not not good at all. So the biggest issue is for the entire market, 
is labor inflation going to be going forward? Because people are sick of seeing the prices that they were paying, and maybe they're not going up as much, but they still see high prices at the grocery store. I hear it constantly. Like over the weekend, I talked to a lot of people. They're like, can you believe you go to the grocery store and you spend 400 bucks and you don't even get a full cart of food? I mean, there's people talking about stuff like this. And I think that it's still like, you know, they, they get ticked off about it, they think about it, and then they go to their boss for a raise. And, you know, in some cases, you know, there's still not a shortage of labor here, Joel. It's not like there's people knocking on the door that are going to take these jobs right away. So I do think labor inflation is a serious issue for the entire economy here because you're not going to break that mentality that I'm paying more for stuff, so I need to get paid more for what I'm doing. Yeah, and like uh, in the chat mentioned, don't forget rent, right? Uh, that that it's not going away. The stickiness and inflation there uh, hasn't gone away. Everything, we're going to continue Mitch. to see it. The, like mean, we can say, oh yeah, inflation's only 4% now, so victory <laughs> laugh. But when you have inflation, it's not like prices came from 8% down to 4%. No, they went from 8% to 12%. It keeps building. It's not like mm -hmm. we have deflation here. So even though we have disinflation, where obviously inflation rates are going down, that means the prices are still going up. So we had all this bump from COVID and we're still building on that, although be it at a little bit slower pace. So you just have this in your head now. People worry about inflation. We did not worry about inflation before COVID. People weren't coming in here and talking, I can't believe what I'm paying for this. I can't believe what I'm paying for that. You know, the odd person complaining about it, but everybody's complaining about it. So everybody's going to their employer and asking for more money. So, and that in turn is going to continue to drive inflation because what do the employers do? Well, and the, and the companies do when they have to pay their employees more, they have to raise prices. They got to pass a lot of it through. So, and then that turns around. So inflation is here to stay, which may mean rates are going to have to stay elevated for a prolonged period of time, which is not good for anyone. Didn't the uh, part of the uh, rally on Friday, wasn't that, in? I mean, instigated by the wage growth was was not as bad as expected is it, yeah, wasn't that part I, of the catalyst is you're that... right you're right joel you're 100 right now the only thing is though do we actually trust those numbers because i just doesn't I, I, seem yeah, like the there's always work. a lag effect i, I agree yeah. i'm just like you know no you're right you're right that's exactly what it sparked a little bit of that rally and that was like, what our economists were mentioning was that the wage inflation growth wasn't there on that Trying to find the silver lining in the markets. And the bottom line was, Joel, we were at a key support level. You know at the 420. We talked, Mitch talked about the 420 as well. Yeah, 50% And we bounced right off that. You talked right about off that level, it. Mitch. I remember you mentioning it, the 420. 420. You got to right listen there. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we got to listen to ourselves. I keep saying it, money, Mitch. I'm like, I'm like, man, I just need to start listening to pre-market prep more often. <laughs> yeah. And I would make more money. So I'm yeah, like, I just got to listen to this money, Mitch, the technical level. You guys were talking about the 420. It bounced right off of there. We put four bottoms in right at the support level, and we bounced off that. Does that mean this is the start of the big bull market? And we're going, nah, I think it's just a bounce level. I think we yeah. got up near 440. I think there's room to 440 on the S&P. What's the 50% retracement? Let's go back, take this back to the market. Do it on SPY, Joel, because I yep. hate the S&P futures because they still charge me so much for it. That's why I always look at SPY. So I know the dividends, you know, people say, well, I adjust for the dividends. Well, it's not that big of a deal. So SPY, what was a move down from the highs to the 420? And what would be a 50% retracement? I love his little tool. Money Mitch has his tool too. Bring it up there. Put the tool on there from the highs to the thing. 440. 440. Just real simple. 440. There you yeah, go. 460, 420, 440. At 440, unload it all. 
<laughs> and choppy markets for the end of the market, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, it's gonna chop it, to get there. It's not gonna be gonna, smooth sailing to get there, unless we get a light CPI number tomorrow. Oh, you get a light CPI number, right, then maybe, right. maybe you could just rip higher because the bulls, as much as the bears were in firm control three or four days ago, the bulls are kind of in short-term control here now. That's why the dip getting bought, obviously, on the Israel um, incident. This is, you know, bulls are a little bit in control here right now, but we're going to keep handing back and forth. This isn't going to be like bulls are grabbing control for the next two years. And we're just going to go straight up. No, it's going to go back and forth. We're going to chop around. So have your levels. Don't get married to positions. Traders market. Trade Apple. Don't own it. Sorry, Jim Cramer. I'm taking the opposite side of you, which has worked very, very well. Trade Apple. Don't own it. You uh, know, Apple's thing... Apple. I'm sorry, Mitch. Apple's almost back to our um, our our bet when you you uh, you got Uh-oh. me to go that 180 versus. What was that bet, Joel? Put put, it, yeah, put the chart up so we can see. I just it. I what just can't believe, I can't believe he I, it, like it. It's just like a a lazy trade. I just 180 and he's got 160. I don't. I, I don't I don't think we'll, we're going to see either of those levels for <laughs> a long time. It might be next year, I really year, don't man. think so. Yeah, I, yeah, I certainly don't see us going to 200. I'll, I'll let you out for um, a diet Pepsi. Or I'll pay you a diet Pepsi uh, to get out of that one. But I know you're not going to let me out. It's just unbelievable. The 180 now, too. If you're an Apple trader, you're looking at this thing. I'm not even worried looking at that gap. I mean, look at all those highs just under 180 snifty yesterday. So, man, Dennis, till this thing gets over 180, right? Their earnings, they're late in the earnings cycle, right? They're not till. No, like no, two. they're not that far away. When's Apple? How? When is it? Let me let me take a peek. Right I think quick. it's only about two and a half weeks. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. early in the earnings cycle. You get yeah, the big tech, they'll go bang, bang, bang. So you get the banks, financial companies, and then you start getting to the tech companies. November second. So we got three, three weeks, three weeks till Apple. Uh, All right. I did want to mention from uh, CPI tomorrow. You're saying maybe a light number. Did you take a look though at the no? I uh, no. I'm saying maybe maybe we get a light number. I have no idea. I'm saying I'm saying just maybe just thinking oil prices, oil prices. But they back those up. If that number's hot. Then they'll say, well, yeah, but he take out food, oil, and energy, everything that we need, like food, oil, shelter. There's no inflation at all. So take out the human necessities, and then we'll be all right. Um, but just to put it in perspective, right, uh, it's usually taken, at least from our estimation, in the middle. Um, last month in the middle, it was around 79 and 80 on WTI. But mid-month in September, where were we? We were in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So that's $10 higher on oil where the data should be taken. So that's one thing that I'd definitely be looking to show up in the CPI report. All right, let's get to an interesting move here. Hyatt S&P mid cap 400 inclusion, getting a big push off of this. Hyatt hotels soaring as it replaces National Instruments Corp in the S&P mid cap 400. Could this continue the lift off of this, Dennis? Or is this just kind of just a headline pop? Uh, these are always so S and P ads and I've traded S and P ads for, you know, 20 years and they always get the rally. They always get the pop. They're always, you know, it's, it's obviously and the effects are so much, you know, high frequency traders, boom, it's instantaneous. Now they just readjust immediately to the new pricing for obviously getting added to the index. And those moves usually last 
for a couple, it can last for a few days, sometimes a week or two, but eventually, usually they give them back relative to the market. So saying, you know, you get this move, it's indexing. And I mean, the evidence, look at Airbnb, you know, had the big pop, got up to 150 shortly after it kept going up, let's give it all back and then some. Um, BX was another one, Blackstone was added, went up from like 106 to 111 that day, lift up a little bit and it's giving it back. Now again, overall market has come down here too. But I'd say even if you back out market effects, typically they do give it back and they're more selling opportunities and buying opportunities. And we know they top tick them sometimes too, Joel. There's been, you know, a few yeah, of them yeah. like, where they've been added to the index and then that is the absolute top. I think about like the worst one probably was Penn Gaming. When it got added, that was the oh, absolute top was. on 10. It was like 120. I, I think it was into the 400. I'm not sure which index it got into. It wasn't the five, I don't think. And that was the very top. And you can see it there. And it's been straight down ever since. So they're usually more selling opportunities than buying opportunities. Yeah, this is uh this stock's just in no man's land. So I'll just encourage you to uh you know keep an eye on the pre-market levels, uh pre-market high 111.33, right near there. So expectations if it takes out the pre-market high, we'll go with that trading rule that you'll go to the next daily high. And if you're really bullish, you can look for one to thirteen twenty-seven, another couple bucks away at way obviously trading way over its average uh true range i don't know might have to wait a while to get it at the top of yesterday's range at 104 uh 77 but uh hyatt trading up 14 15 000 shares up six and a half bucks six and a half percent trading in no man's land what a fake out in AKRO today. AKRO Therapeutics shares were jumping after they announced an investor conference at 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. And then this morning, they were supposed to release these results in the conference, but somehow these results got out. And you guys can see it on the tape. Look at the bounce and then the drop there as they report their analysis on their phase two study here. Doesn't look like it came in great here. Yeah, it's hitting XBI as well. I was looking up immediately when I see XBI down. I was like, well, how much AKRO do they have? I think it's 1.3%. So you can quickly see that adds up to like 0.7% of XBI. Market is flat. XBI is down 0.78%. These herbs are good. I mean, I don't trade this stock. I don't know anything about it. I know, you know you're in these things and they're announcing these, you know, obviously these results from these trials and they don't have a lot of other drugs in the pipe that there can be significant moves. And this news obviously not good for AKRO shareholders. Uh, down 58, 58% uh, is 28 bucks, but looks a little bullish chart to me right now. <laughs> at least you're four bucks off that pre-market low. Pre-market low comes in at 16.01. So when I see that kind of move, I see the bounce. I don't know what the hell they're going to say at eight o'clock. It just, I don't know. I. If you get a chance at 16 again, now it's five bucks off that low. I think you're just going to have to find an uh, intermediate level uh, ahead of that. How much it can rally? Well, who knows? 22.10 so far has been the rebound high. So don't look for any runaway you know, uh, bullishness until you get above 22.10. After that, hmm, bottom of yesterday's range. Maybe. But when you, when you see stocks like this and – you know, you say, oh, you know, Mitch mentions it. You just know when you pull it up, it's going to have therapeutics in the name. You know? Yeah, man. It's, 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 just, it's just the way it is. Up or down. You know, if you always, oh, it's 50, 60 percent. 
um, you know, that you got to know these stocks, you got to know the dates, you got to, yeah. you got to do research and, um, it's very hard to go after these. I think that this is why yeah. if I do stay in the biotechs, I'll stay to the top of the cap names, right? Leaders versus trying to dig into the ditches and get these companies because you never know when one of these are going to show up and they even show up in the bigger names. So that's why I try to stick to the bigger ones if I'm going to trade those, but even investing in those is scary sometimes. I'll say it because there's always going to be drug news and you don't know which way it's going to fall. That's the truth. Uh, and that's tough. I mean, it's why diversification is so important too. You yeah. often see, you know, people got a good drug story and they like got like half their money in this one. And this is going to be the one that makes me. And it works out fantastically when it's good news. But, you know, if you're diversified and you're buying a bunch of these, I mean, I still say the XBI is not a way to play it all. The reason I don't own XBI right now is because I'm very worried about higher rates impacting funding for a lot of these drug trials. So that's why I do believe you've seen XBI come off as long-term rates have gone up. XBI is a sneaky rate play that, hey, these companies, these small companies need funding. And if you have rates elevated for a prolonged period of time, that's going to equal less funding for their trials. And the other thing that's really tricky about these is if they 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 uh if they do have a good trial, right, and they get a big pop, then they jam you know a lot of occasions they jam jam an offering down your throat, and right, and you know sometimes offerings are well received, but um it's just it's just tricky you know the the news flow on those. All right. Now, I did want to talk about a downgrade that's important here before we bring on our guest, QRVOSWKS, downgraded to sell by City. Worries about China's smartphone substitution risk. Um, definitely something to keep an eye out. Also, uh, analysts out there on Samsung saying that their uh, earnings could plunge 80%. Samsung expected to release guidance tomorrow, so keep your eyes open for that. What are you guys seeing in tech? Hmm. I mean, bad, this is the news. concern that we talked about that, that obviously Apple got hit on a little bit a few a couple of weeks ago. Um, is there going to be issues in China, you know, on the China sales? And I mean, QRVO, SWKS, both get downgraded to sell by city. Then they cite in the note, China smart phone substitution risk here. So it's funny that you get QRVO um, obviously trading down 4% on this, SWKS trading down this, and Apple's not really trading down much on it. It's down a little bit on it, but I mean, Apple substitution risk sounds like our smartphone. Yeah, I guess it's I agree. smartphone substitution risk, but it's talking Apple. I mean, <laughs> not good for Apple either. Take it back to Apple. Look where it's rallied to. I mean, what a gift. What an opportunity here. 180. I feel like I'm going to go short here again. Um, and, you know, people in the chat say, I don't talk about my trades. We try to talk trades. We try to set up swing trades for you guys. Um, I think there's an opportunity to short Apple around the 180. Um, do you want to hold it through the CPI? You know, there's some obviously some data that's going to yeah. be coming out, but maybe relative to the market, like put on Apple short, maybe you take something else long against it. I don't mind this 180 resistance on Apple. I think it's major resistance. Uh, going to the SW or uh, going, yeah, going to the Q, I call it Cuervo, but I know that's not it. Uh, man, you just now you just got a major area of resistance, and that that's right at the $93 level. That's a buck 80 away. So until you, you know, today, yesterday's low, 93.13, I think you have to be, you have to be really on the defensive side until this can establish a 93 bid again. So I'll use that as major resistance. Uh, as far as where it's trading, uh, daily support, 
I see kind of a where are the next pair of lows. Next pair of lows come in at the 9120 area. That's where we are right now. After that, look out for 90 bucks. The SWKS chart just not as clean here. Just been in a kind of a consolidation mode. Uh, still uh, opening. Well, we'll be opening right near the low of the move. That was 9466, and we are trading at 9426. So if you're looking for a rally in this one. Better catch a bid right off the open. As you said, yeah, I would explore. I saw Apple down more, and I'm like, why is Apple down? And then, of course, you know, I looked to see and there were the downgrades, but uh, Apple's still holding in there, only down 69 cents, but going against the market. Somebody in the chat saying approaching 30 times earnings here as well, which has just, you know, been my argument the whole time. It's more of a valuation call. But, you know, the, we know story can drive. AI stories starts yep. get hot, tech starts get hot. A, you know, Apple can continue to rise as well. Um, valuation doesn't control price in the short term, but it often does in the long term. I feel like Apple's is not to own it anymore. I still say trade Apple, don't own it. Let's expand this conversation with our guest today. Good morning, Ivan from Tigris Financial Partners, uh, analyst, uh, CFO. Ivan, how you doing today? Yeah, I am good. Good to see you guys as always. All right. So poo poo. Let's uh let's just go, you know, macro here. Broad macro, nice rally on Friday. You know, you can't predict the war, you can't predict the things that are going on. In your experiences in the markets, you look at these global macro effects. Were you surprised by that rally yesterday? Well, um, no. First of all, uh, the the events are just sad and horrific. But um, as far as financial markets, they are really not deterred by global political events, at least for a long period. May, they may have an, an a immediate reaction, and the reaction is usually to sell and risk off when something like this happens. But, I mean, look at what happened after Russia attacked Ukraine. Um, we had a tremendous rally. Uh, global events especially that the feeling that could be contained um, don't really affect stocks. And uh, I, I was happy about the rally on Friday. I was shocked that the market actually sold off in the morning. But then I say, look, jobs, jobs, jobs drive the economy forward. And it was an incredible jobs report. And it did have one you know, positive thing for the, the bears is that we didn't have a lot of wage inflation. So we have still job growth without wage inflation. And this, I think, is positive and furthers the resilient U.S. economy and strong labor market bullish narrative. I also think we've seen the near-term lows. We got the pullback. We got the sell-off to just uh, from 4,600 to just above 4,200. So you can say the 10% temp the pullback yeah. or correction. And I think we are lined up for a very strong year-end rally that could take the S&P 500 to, I think it could break above 4,800 by year end. So very bullish. What stocks would you own? Like, is it the big gun still? Like, just stick with tech. what's working here, Ivan? Tech, tech, tech. Yeah. I mean, technology drives the economy. First of all, we're going to see a recovery in corporate earnings, even though there is right now estimates for S&P earnings to be down slightly. Um, I think it's going to be up, and then it's going to be up significantly next quarter. But the tech sector is going to be up and tech drives everything forward. And I think this AI theme is real. Now it's going to have little bubbles and, you know, a lot, a lot of companies trying to 
hitch their wagon to the AI theme. But uh, I really like, you know, the the hyperscalers and cloud providers, you know, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and I really like a lot of the enterprise software companies, like especially MongoDB and Monday.com. And Monday yeah. was down yesterday. Monday is an Israel-based company, but yeah. I really like that stock. I thought the weakness yesterday was a buying opportunity, and also MongoDB as well as uh, Oracle. And I still think that AI, C3 AI is an interesting play. And I, I believe that Tom Siebel said it, but I continue to quote him as saying it, that every company will be an AI company. Every company is going to use AI in some form to optimize supply chains, to optimize inventory, to predict uh, customer uh, yeah. reaction and to drive marketing and customer engagement. So it is going to be a powerful trend that will grow. I always kid around and say we've all seen Terminator, so we know how it could end. But if it doesn't end, <laughs> Musk end. said it could end that way too. I saw one, I was talking with my friend Brian on the weekend there, same thing, and I'm like, you know, the AI is going to be powerful, and I agree with you. It's going to be in everything that we do. I mean, as you see, you know, UAW strikes, you start thinking, well, more automation or more AI obviously could change the story there. But, you know, we worry about, like, I do worry about the Skynet, you know, end of, like, at what point in time do these bots get smart enough that they figure out we don't need the humans anymore? Is that possible? Well, hopefully not. <laughs> Will that be good for the stock market or bad for the stock market? Because if the AI controls, maybe the stocks go up anyways. <laughs> um, no, I still think, uh, look, we. Oh, I think that everybody's trying to look for different, you know, AI analysis to pick stocks but you know warren buffett probably hears that and laughs but still um it will be a factor in all aspects and improving uh you know improving profitability but improving uh yields and, and in, in improving most importantly improving productivity and increasing job satisfaction so i i think that uh if we can get a lot of like uh, mundane tasks handled better um, I mean, that's a positive. And as I say, um, AI is not going to take the jobs of graphic designers. Graphic designers using AI is going to take jobs from non-AI yep. graphic designers. And it's going to raise skill sets. It's going to raise incomes. It's going to mm -hmm. raise capabilities. So um, it's everybody's got to figure out how to best do this. I agree. And I, I always say this, that uh, you got to lean in versus lean out of AI, because if you don't have the skills to use AI, guess what? You're going to get pushed to the right and they're going to grab somebody that does. Yes. This is why I've been studying AI left and right. Know plenty of ways to get better prompting than the average human. And I think that this is what we need to be looking into. This is what the companies in the long run will get to. This is why you're seeing so many apps come out through all the plugins, through ChatGPT and all the large language models. But let's get into an interesting area, Ivan. Of course, we've been talking about the consumer starting to slow down. Just recently in August, you were looking at uh, some of these leisure companies, Norwegian, Royal, Airbnb, uh, and booking holdings. What do you think about these companies now as we're starting to see a little bit of slowdown? I still like them. I mean, they got hit with concerns that, you know, geopolitical events does affect travel. I mean, we can get travel lockdowns and things like that. Already uh, several cruise lines have changed itineraries. But uh, overall, I think we have seen a, 
a tremendous shift in consumer spending priorities that focus on travel. And I think that uh, it's not pent up demand, it's not revenge travel, it's a reprioritization of spending on wanting to connect with people, wanting to do things that look like, it's like saying, you know, I've always wanted to go on a cruise to the Caribbean. Well, when, you know, if not now, when? I've always wanted to go to Italy to see where my grandparents were from. Uh, then not me, but somebody saying that. My grandparents were from Eastern Europe. But, uh, from Italy. But, but if not now, when, you know? Um, so uh, we also have, uh, you know, the uh, aging baby boomers who are big spenders on travel. We have millennials increasing their priorities to spend on travel. So there is a tremendous amount of interest in spending on travel. And uh, still, I think that will continue. And the cruise stocks have been better booked, longer out, you know, longer booking cycles and at higher prices than they've ever seen with more capacity and more capacity coming on. And uh, I think that, look, you got to listen to what they're saying now. I mean, it was interesting with Carnival the other day, great quarter. And then when an analyst asked about higher oil prices, he goes, yes. The CEO said, yes, that could be a factor. And yes, it could be a factor. The cruise industry goes most of the time 50% hedged on average. So um, they're somewhat protected against these spikes. But um, I still like these stocks and I think they're cheap. And I think they have good upside, but they're always going to have, uh, you know, traded a little discount to where they really should be because of concerns at any one time, you know, that they're all just one sneeze away from a total shutdown or, you know, a geopolitical event could cause a disruption. Now, is there any one of these companies that is you feel more exposed to the situation that's going on in the Middle East that could see some downside come in? Mm. Uh, not off the top of my head to go through the itineraries or agendas, but um, uh, again, that's uh, um, the Mediterranean. Uh, all that part of the world is uh, a desirable part to go visit. And um, so, and I, I think, um, you know, that hopefully things will settle down because uh, it is concerning. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I also don't believe in kind of playing the pop in the defense stocks. They do benefit from this. And, you know, I think uh, the cybersecurity area, though, uh, I think is important. And, you know, a lot of the key cybersecurity companies are based out of Israel. But I, Ivan, I, I what about, like going back to the earnings here, we're on the line with Ivan Feinseth. He's the CIO of Tigers Financial Partners. What about the quality of the earnings here? I was listening to a little bit of uh, uh, talking about the PepsiCo earnings, and it it just seems that, that you know, it do from you know taking your Fritos package down, you know, giving you less Fritos, you know, is it a result of meeting lower expectations or, you know, cost reductions, you know, reducing the budget, re reducing count head? What about the quality of earnings coming up? Well, I, I think that, uh, look, I mean, we're all going through uh, inflation on food and shrinkflation. They're, they're charging you either more or they're charging you the same and giving you less. But um, I think overall, I, I don't focus that much on the food and uh, you know consumer staples, but more on tech. And I think the quality of earnings is, is good. 
And I think we're going to see. Uh, and by the way, I'm uh, uh, really excited about Apple's Vision Pro. And I think this is going to create a whole new concept of this spatial computing. And I think it's going to be as it gets launched next year, it is going to be a surprise and it is going to have another tremendous halo effect. I want to ask you about an individual stock that I've been in for a long time. Cisco Systems here uh, made made the acquisition. And when I, I see a, a big acquisition, <clears throat> a big gap down, I, I think, well, I'm going to let the street decide whether this is good or bad for the company. Uh, you know, you dipped under 53 bucks. It took you a couple days here. And now it seems to be a rebound. Talk about uh, the acquisition in Cisco and then uh, – moving forward with your, your long-term rating? Well, I do have a buy on Cisco. I like the stock. I like the acquisition. It increases its, its security and AI capabilities and especially in AI-driven software-defined networks. So I think also um, we continue to increase the functionality and capability of hardware by software-defined, increased software-defined capabilities. And more importantly, I think that um, sadly, the FTC over the past year, couple years has been tremendously anti-business and has kept kind of um, caused a restraint in M&A activity. I think that Microsoft's successful, com gonna complete their acquisition, their $70 billion acquisition of um, Activision, probably by the end of this week, they really fought the good fight and pushed forward. They were going to get this done at any cost and comply with any necessary or required concession. I think that opens the door for a resurgence in M&A activity, which we're now seeing in Cisco's $28 billion acquisition of Splunk. So I think we're going to see a pickup in M&A activity, which is very bullish because we've been in an M&A drought for a couple of years. I think, I think the, the good receptions from the last several IPOs, including Arm and, um, and Instacart, uh, I think we'll see there's a lot of companies in the pipeline that want to come to market. I think that will pick up. That is also bullish for the Q4 and uh, next year. So um, I think we'll see a lot of more M&A activity because a lot of companies that have wanted to do acquisitions have been on hold because they say, why bother? The FTC is just going to uh, block it anyway. So and then I think that the increase in IPO and M&A activity will help companies like Goldman Sachs. That would be my number one pick there. They're, they're the industry leader there. Ivan, just one last one here. Of course, we've been seeing recent analysts start to make comments positive. Arm starting to kind of, I'll say, balance out. What do you see, Arm? And have you done a rating on Arm yet? No, not yet. We are uh, um, reviewing what our rating is going to be. We were not a participant in the IPO there, so I can comment and say uh, I think that. My, by the way, my, two, my, my favorite semiconductor companies, number one is NVIDIA. Uh, then I also like the uh, communications. I like Qualcomm, Skyworks, and Corvo. And I really like Intel. And remember that the majority of these companies are fabulous pro, uh, producers. And I think Intel does have a tremendous opportunity. I like the direction that its CEO is taking the company to focus on um, you know, both their own innovation, 
and also Intel Foundry Services to become the manufacturer of choice for all of these fa other fabulous companies. And then, of course, I also like Mobileye, which is part of, you know, a spun out of Intel. And I think Mobileye is a great play on this, um, you know, increasing ADAS capabilities in vehicle, moving toward, at some point, uh, autonomous vehicles and fully, you know, autonomous vehicles. I mean, Intel's trying to reinvent themselves here. Obviously, there was chips, Intel inside for all those years. You think back, Ivan, you know, you're watching the CNBC and Intel inside commercial, every commercial. So everybody wanted Intel inside. I it's not anymore. Intel and Wintel with Windows and Intel, that was the partnership. And That uh, was, yeah. But, uh, but they I, are I trying. Like I think they are going in the right direction. So I agree with you here. Like, let's focus on the foundry business here because this is what we need. Obviously, the investment is huge. This is why a lot of companies can't afford to do this here. But, um, you know, I don't know, like, how far along. But, you know, I do like that they're going in this direction here. And part of it makes me want to buy Intel. And they're also, their chip business is good. Their server processor business is good. Their uh, PC business, uh, PCs are rebounding. Um, and uh, they have so many fronts where they get it right and they will continue to get it right and, um, you know, do better what they have been maybe been criticized for not doing well. So I even find Seth uh, not disappointing once again <laughs> here. CIO at Tigers Financial Partners joining us on pre-market prep. Thanks, Ivan. We'll talk to you again soon. Always great to be on. Thanks. All right, Joel, let's get back to the markets. How are we looking here? Well, it's just we're, we're just holding in here. Uh, we got a bid. We're up four and three quarters handles. Uh, what I just technically here, you don't have a lot in here. Uh, you did take out yesterday's high, the pre-market, and you're holding a bid um, in that area. Uh, you, if you might uh, a bid over 43.81, the pre-market high, really not much in there. Maybe start thinking about 4,400. Um, on the downside, that pre-market low right now looks safe for now. It'll be one of these days where if you take out the pre-market low, it'll be like, okay, we'll go down a few handles. I just, you know, I don't see a catalyst here. We do have some Fed speak coming up. So one Fed bozo can contradict what the other Fed bozo said <laughs> yesterday. But, you know, that will be happening, you know, during the uh, intraday trading. But we right now, all calm. We have a lot of data coming up. We haven't talked about that yet on this show, but yeah. PPI tomorrow, Fed minutes tomorrow, CPI on Thursday. I mean, lots of Fed speak, lots of inflation talk here. I mean, that's what's going to matter. I mean, for this markets, we know market wants lower rates here. They don't want to see anything inflationary. So, I mean, the PPI and CPI back to back, boom, boom. That's going to maybe dictate whether we're going to 440 or back down to the lows here. So it's going to be those numbers that, you know, give us that shot to get the 50% retracement back or fail and back down to the lows. Yeah, and of course, uh, on the recent CPI, we did get a little bit of a lift in kind of consumers because it was the back to school report. But will we see that? This report, that's what I'm, I'm wondering. I think that we're going to start to see the consumer slowdown show up in the CPI. Of course, oil has been going through the roof and I'm going to go out on a limb here. I, I'm really thinking that oil is going back to 95, if not 100 here. The way the situation's going, it doesn't look good in the oil. Uh, we'll see. I mean, you haven't got a 50% retracement yet of uh, of this move down in the crude oil market. So that's what I'd be looking at. I mean, mm -hmm. it would, 
actually you're making a lower high from yesterday so kind of a little bit of a a little bit of a bounce here 8724 yesterday's high 8674 so usually you know when um you know when oil goes on one of these streaks here you just get a lot of lot of green bars in a row then one green bar and a lot of green bars in a row too so right now working on a red bar working on an inside day too um, of course, you know, what happens, the news coming out from overseas, a refinery gets hit or, uh, you know, someone's going to halt production can it, uh, uh, can affect it. But right now profit well, takers here. Yeah. And crude, I mean, we're not in peace times here anymore. So, you know, and they're talking rumors, you know, of another war, you know, it could potentially start to break out. I mean, CNBC was talking about Serbia and Kosovo. Um, I mean, there's, you know, we're not in peace times here anymore. And every time, you know, that's actually good for oil. So it's tough. Like, you know, I want to be bearish oil and I think we got the trade kind of right, but then, you know, you get this news, obviously Israel situation. And I mean, we know in war times, it's the first thing they buy is oil. You know, they buy the defense stocks, but everybody's talking about oil. So I just, I don't see the oil just turning around and tanking here now because, we're getting to a situation where people are thinking war. And I just think overall that overall long-term demand for oil is decreasing. You can't, I mean, you can't argue that fact. Some of those numbers were reflected last week. Uh, the move to EVs, it's not going to be today, tomorrow, the next, uh, the next day, but, but the major use of oil is automobiles and, the longer we make the transition to uh, EVs, less demand that's, for oil. That's not happening tomorrow, though. This transition oh, no, I said is that. so. Yeah. And you are the one that you know. I said you know, we're a long line. ways out, and I mean, a slowing you know economy is not going to help this transition. It's why my lithium stocks, you know, have been beat up. I mean, terrible call by me to be long the ALB and the LTHM because this is you know maybe long term I'm going to be happy with it, but short term. Yeah. Auto strikes, all that. These are automotive plays. You know, lithium is going into EVs. And you get Tesla even talking about, you know, lowering prices. I mean, right now, there's just, you know, people are a little bit tight for cash. And that's not good for the lithium stocks. Yeah, you need some tailwinds in there. Uh, we'll see when lithium starts getting some tailwinds. Uh, let's take a look at uh, the defensive names and which ones you guys feel that maybe could continue the run. Yesterday, there was a couple that moved, of course. Do you feel like these could continue running? I, I um, It was a good run. NLC was, and go. was probably Wrong. the best one. But LMT, they all the opened one. up, and I was, like, skeptical. I said I wouldn't short these things, but they just kept going. I mean, that, that NOC move, holy. Yeah, crap. that NLC move was the one that really We were up my 25 attention. bucks, and then, boom, we opened, and we ran another $25. So <laughs> these things, one thing to say is they were really beat up. So you probably had a lot of people leaning on the short side of these. A lot of these companies have a lot of debt too. So it caught a lot of people on the wrong side with that, you know, obviously with the Israel situation coming out of nowhere. So this, you know, you've got some shorts caught here. And Keep an eye maybe, on I, maybe, you know, I should have, you know, been thinking, you know, yeah, there's people who are in long-term trends here that are going to want to get their money back. But people who are leaning on these things on the other side are caught really bad. So unbelievable move here for these things. Uh, NOC, General Dynamics, LMT. Joel bringing up a fantastic point. We missed Palantir yesterday. We talked about this. But this government play, it is a defense stock too. We can throw it in that category. And PLTR had a fantastic move yesterday as well. 
Yeah, it's a momentum name, and I think it got the lift. Uh, definitely helped it, right? Um, we know how retail keeps their eyes on this one. They've been talking about AI, and I thought I did see uh, actual news this morning, right? Uh, it looks like th there was a contract. Army gets two hundred and fifty million dollar contract for AI capabilities. So that's something just to keep in mind, right? As those government contracts come into Palantir, maybe that can continue the lift for PLTR. I, Let's wrap up. I call this stock great and I trade it like crap. You ever do that? You just call it well. 100%, and trade it like man. Crap, and I that, get that, in there. That happens. And I'm like, you know, and then I get out before the big move. And then, you know, I'm in it. And I was in it for a while back in September. And then it popped back up and I get out. And then obviously, you know, you get this war and then boom, it's off to the races. So it's like one of those stocks. It's maybe my nemesis. I call it really well, but I can't trade it. I don't know why. Hey, put it on the ban list. Who knows? Oh, All right, guys, I let's wrap it, okay. it up. I just, I just can't trade it for whatever reason. Hey, how it goes sometimes. Let's wrap it up here. What's your last outlook, Dennis? And then we'll go to Joel for the ES levels here. I, I mean, I think the bulls are in control here right now, at least short term. We don't get a lot of data here coming today. We're not in earnings season. There's not even any earnings on the schedule for tonight or for tomorrow. So, I mean, we are in a, a lull here. We will start getting the banks on Friday. I think the banks could be conservative with their guidance here. So I'm, I'm not looking for, you know, fabulous things. But the banks don't drive the bus anyways. Nobody's expecting much from the banks. Um, I think you just got to look at this market and say, for a, at least for today, bulls could stay in control here. We want to see what that PPI, CPI looks like tomorrow um, and, and Thursday, because that's going to be the next move here. But, it, you know, right now, there's a silver lining in this market here. And the silver lining market says, hey, seasonality, September is historically bad. Seasonality is on our side here now. We bottomed right at the 420. Ivan made a great point. We got the 10% correction that a lot of people are calling for. We called for it on this show too. Is that it? Are we done? I can see a bull thesis here too. I don't think it's like, you know, rah, rah, we're going to all-time highs maybe like Ivan does. But I also don't think we're like going to go straight down and crash and burn. So I think you're going to have some chop. I think the chop continues. Um, but I do think you're fading in contrarian markets. The contrarian's just in me right now. Okay. All right. Uh, you talk about JP Morgan on Friday. Uh, the stock that uh, was, I think, the most important stock for earnings last season was Delta. They came out early. They came out with great earnings and everything was rosy and the stock got absolutely hammered and the market kind of followed suit. And that's what, what you kind of saw with uh, the crashes. So also keep an eye on Delta on Thursday, been in the gutter. Uh, for the S&P, I mean, no really good numbers on the upside or the downside. So I'd like to see us hold the bid here at mid-range on the session, take out the pre-market high, and maybe take a poke at our September 22nd high, 99.50. That's right near that psychological 4,400. Uh, if we do take out the pre-market low, I don't think unless it's going to be like a, a Fed tape bomb, I don't think you have a chance of uh, getting anywhere uh, near like well the lows from lows from yesterday are over 70 handles away but uh, we'll get a look at the inflation picture before the uh, actual number at 815 with our man blue Putnam joining us on pre-market prep from the chief economist at the CME you're my boy right. blue you're my boy always always all right, guys, we'll get Dennis Dick, Joel Alconin out of here. You guys can always keep up with them, of course, on Pre-Market Prep Plus. I'm going to bring you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere, team. We always got a great day for you right here on Benzinga. And if you're for any reason new and you haven't done so already, what are you waiting for, guys? Subscribe so you can be notified 
the moment we go live. Hit that bell and you'll be notified. Let's go ahead and bring you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. And of course, want you guys to check out some of the events that we have going on right now. In November, of course, we have the future of digital assets in New York. Who's in New York City going to the event? <laughs>